The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Well, it's information and entertainment, I think. Yeah, because we have fun talking about this stuff. And I think the main thing that I try to get across to my listeners and you, Dave, yeah. is that it's not that hard you to try understand hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what we're talking about. And, you, you know, I remember what? the best thing you ever said to me on this show was, uh, well, I hope you understood that. That's right. I'm just glad. And so when that happens, that means I'm not <laughs> doing my job because my job is to make things understandable. That's what I try to do in my office when I'm seeing patients. Because the more you understand about why someone is recommending something, the more likely you are to do what is the best thing in the doctor's mind. But also remember, if your doctor doesn't admit that he could be or she could be wrong, you Mm -hmm. need to get a new doctor, you know. And if your doctor doesn't listen, um, the worst thing in the world, though, I'm going to tell you, if you, if you want, to, want to have a good relationship with your doctor, is say, well, on Google it says. Yeah, you don't uh, want to. I even bought a mug that says, <laughs> your Google search does not equal my MD. And good for so you. So just be aware, that Google searching can be dangerous. Um, sure. Because you might wind up with a Google search that says, that COVID vaccines uh, are loaded with microchips from Bill Gates. And are they? Yeah. Last they? time I looked. No? Yeah, I scanned mine okay. before they put it in. I scanned they do, they don't. with my special microchip detector. Please, please. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to get confused. Yeah. On today's show, we are going to talk about misinformation, or at least we... We believe that it would be misinformation. Of course, we could be misinformation, and this fella, Joe Rogan, could be right. Uh, I don't think so. All right. Uh, Dr. Fauci says vaccinations are working. That's good. Yes. Because that was why we got them. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And we're relaxing now some of the mandates yeah. for wearing masks. George joins us right now. George, thank you very much for calling. What's going on? Hey, how you doing? Um, I am having an issue um, with um, what would they call dystolic uh, dysfunction. Yeah. Um, what happened was a few months ago, and it was after COVID started, I started noticing some swelling in my legs. Okay. And that concerned me quite a bit. Um, so then I was noticing some other symptoms were coming up. So I went to a cardiologist and got an echocardiogram and stress test and everything. And then they... They uh, everything seemed to check out fine except for um, it, it was saying I had uh, a left there was a an impaired left ventricle relaxation with normal left ventricle filling pressure consistent with grade one diastolic dysfunction. Great, yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah, and I think this was brought on by chronic hypertension. 
Yes. Uh, in the last eight years or so, my blood pressure's been up, and I haven't been keeping a check on it. Um, I've had blood pressures like in the 140 over 80 to 150 over 90 range, and that's like when I go to a doctor's office or something, or um, and it's normally probably a, a little bit higher. But the issue is now my blood pressure, my systolic blood pressure is low. And how how low is low? Um, well, it, it's kind of weird how it, how it ranges. Um, I can sit down and take my blood pressure right away, you know, and it's like maybe 118 over 80 or 82. Then every minute it, it, it'll drop. It'll drop down like a, uh, 118 over 82, uh, 110 over 82, and then it'll get down to 106, 105, and it has gone down to like the 92, you know, 95 range. Um, and I, you know, I can feel it. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, and I, I am pretty sure I'm in heart failure um, at this data, uh, definitely. But the doctor seems to think, because I haven't, you know, uh, been to get a stress test in the past. So he assumes that it's, uh, it's age-related. But I, I was only 53 when I got the test done. Um, and I'm thinking that my, my symptoms are getting worse. Um, George, how old are you now? Uh, 54. 54. You're young. Oh, he's a young guy for Young. Heart. Well, let me ask you a few questions. What medicines are you taking? None. Really? And I, I've never taken anything for blood pressure is, is the problem. Ah. And, and I think that's what's happened. I've, I've gotten into the state where I'm in heart failure now uh, at a young age. Um, and I, um, I, 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 I'm fatigued. Um, you know, I have a swelling in the leg, shortness of breath. And I have blood flow issues. I have numbness in my hands and in my feet. Um, like my heart rate speeds up, goes, uh, it, it'll get up to, you know, high rate, stay there for a while. Like uh, back in November, I was I did a bike ride. Um, you know, my heart rate got up to like the 160 range. Wow. And then, but it, it took like five or six hours for my heart rate to get below 100. Yeah, I, I tell you, this, this sounds important that you are um, addressing this um, because I think you're right. You need to have uh, a more, th- I, my opinion is you need to have a more thorough investigation. Let's go over the blood pressure again. So it'll be pretty much normal and then just on its own will start to drop. Is that right? Right. Um, basically, you know, when I sit down and sit down for like five minutes or so, it'd be in the low range as far as the systolic. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, like it'd be like 106 over 77. Um, but it has been gotten worse. Uh, it's, it's dropped down quite a bit. Like if I do, if I exercise, that seems to actually make my blood pressure go down instead of up, um, you know, as I, as I wait. Um, and I wish I had some blood pressure here, but I've got some. Uh, I had um, some readings where my blood pressure... Actually, I have one here. One that I took over a 10-minute period. It started mm-hmm. out at 136 over 81, mm-hmm. and then went down to 122 over 182, 116 over 80, 108 over 74. And that was within a 10-minute period. And you weren't doing anything, just sitting there? No, just, just sitting still. Okay. Sitting still. Um, that is That is something I haven't really seen that much. Um, I've seen blood pressure drop when you stand up. 
Um, I've seen in people who have, you know, a serious cholesterol blockage in one of their arteries that feeds blood to their heart. I've seen their blood pressure drop when they exercise. But in someone like you not taking any medicines at all and sitting, uh, have their blood pressure drop. I've not seen that much. Now, let me just make sure I got this right. When you had your ultrasound of your heart, your echocardiogram, they said it was pumping fine, but it, it had a diastolic dysfunction. Is that what they told you? Right. Okay. Right. Um, it said the left ventricle is normal in size with mildly increased wall thickness. Uh, the left ventricle systolic function is normal. Uh, left ventricle um, ejection fraction is visually estimated at 55 to 60%. There is an impaired left ventricle relaxation with normal left ventricle feeling pressure consistent with grade 1 diastolic dysfunction. Yeah, so what this means... Yeah, in simple terms, it means your heart has gotten stiff. And right. so when uh, there's two types of or two parts of your heart function, it's the pumping action. That's called systolic. Mm-hmm. And then there's the diastolic area uh, or timing. And that's when the blood flows into the heart. So it has to be right. pliable to accept that blood flow. And so what we've seen in people with high blood pressure over time is that it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh triceps right Right. they get big and thick and then he can't he can't move it you know because the muscle's so thick that's an exaggeration of what goes on in the heart but it's a similar idea so but that doesn't usually lead to low blood pressure let me let me ask you a question do you hydrate do you drink a lot of fluids not a whole lot Mm -hmm. uh, but i do and that does that make your swelling worse in your legs and feet not actually what happened was when I um, discovered all this, I was at 222 pounds and probably about 38 pounds. Uh-huh. And within a, a month, I lost down to 195 pounds. Okay, so you you did that by just not eating a lot. Is that right. correct? Yeah. And now I'm down to about 178. Ooh. Uh, that was wow. pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, and that's since um, September. So okay. The thing is, I, you know, I have all the symptoms I'm having heart failure because, yeah. you know, I have uh, nausea. Um, I, do, I have uh, the crackles, the uh, railing uh, and breathing uh, uh-huh. sometimes. Um, and it's kind of weird when I breathe in, you know, it feels like I'm breathing in uh, cold air and uh-huh. like my left lung. Sure. So it, it makes me think that this thing has progressed a lot more than what we think. Yeah. And do you have a follow-up appointment with the cardiologist? I've been working with a cardiologist quite a bit. Um, and they haven't done a stress I, test? Yeah, we, we did a stress test. Okay. But we did everything. Okay, and what did the stress uh, carotid, test show? Um, uh, um, you know, the real, weird thing about my stress test when I was doing it, uh-huh. um, my blood pressure got up like a 166 over or something. Uh-huh. And then immediately when it stopped, my blood pressure like plummeted. Wow. Uh, the, the guy that was looking at my blood pressure says, man, you must be dizzy because your blood pressure just dropped, just bottomed out. Um, so that's really strange. Um, yeah, I can't really... Did, how did you feel doing that stress test? Did you get tight in the chest, short of breath? Did you really yeah, feel fatigued? Yeah, my teeth hurt. Um, that's the other thing that's weird. My, my teeth seem to be more sensitive. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, my, my left side um, was feeling a little uh, uncomfortable 
Yeah. Uh, did did they do this with the nuclear thing, with the blood flow tracer, where yes, you sat did. in front of the camera? And they yeah. said that was normal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But, I mean, the whole time they were doing all this, my heart rate was like at 93 beats per minute, um, you know, when they were doing the echo, when they were doing the imaging. Right. Um, now, there's another thing that happens to me that I think is heart-related. Um, if I get stressed or, or something like that, my back hurts immensely. Uh, and I think, um, you know, I, I've read that, you know, instead of hurting in your chest, you may hurt in your back. Yep. Because the way your nervous, nervous system works. And the, the pain in my back is excruciating. It's almost unbearable. Um, and um, it seems to, I, I, I first thought that it, that it could possibly be uh, an aneurysm, an aorta. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, it could be, it, this is uh, a lot of things that could be going on. Right. And <clears throat> I can tell you, you need further investigation. Has anybody in your family, mother, father, sister, brother, had a heart attack or stents or anything? Not a heart attack. My dad at 54 had bypass surgery okay. and, right. and had congestive heart failure right. um, and aneurysm. So that's something that runs in our yeah. family. Now, there's something called a false negative stress test. Um, right. And that is when you have balance blockages that um, it's kind of hard to explain. But on a stress test, if you have one blockage, you'll see an area of the heart not getting blood flow compared to sitting. When you stress, it's not getting enough blood flow. But if you've got a left main blockage or blockages in all three arteries, the blood flow is uniformly reduced when you Mm -hmm. exercise Mm -hmm. and there's no focal area. So, you know, I can't give diagnoses over the radio and I don't think I should. But this is, you know, if I had a case like yours, this is a situation where I'd be really concerned that you've got something lurking that hasn't been discovered yet. And, um, you know, I think you need to go back to your cardiologist and say, look, I don't, you know, the stress test can be false negative. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. And if your brother had something major done, to his heart because of blockages at age 54, that puts you at very high risk for having um, a yeah, false negative stress head, test. Yeah. yeah. So my advice to you is to get back to your cardiologist and ask him one question. Could this be balanced ischemia that leads to a false negative stress test? And your symptoms were compelling. Your blood pressure scares me um, like it scares you because... There's no reason you, for it to You don't drop. go from having a high blood pressure to all of a sudden your blood pressure. Uh, yeah. That's that, the thing. When I go to my um, primary care physician, it's like, your blood, pressure, your blood pressure's fine. And I think that's one of the things that the cardiologist is looking at. My weight was down. Yeah. Um, my blood pressure's okay. Um, and everything's pumping right. And all the chambers are yeah. you know, the right size and so forth. Um, yeah. This is a not-so-subtle thing to me. But it's not your normal presentation. Right. And so that doesn't mean that you don't have something serious going on. What does George need to ask for for the next test? I am not going to say. But what I'm going to say is ask him or her. I don't know who the cardiologist is. And I don't want to use names on the radio. Do you have balanced ischemia leading to a false negative stress test? Okay. That's what. Do, do you need me to write that down for you? Balanced that's ischemia. What it is. Balanced Even ischemia. I, so you have 
blockages in more than one place. We're all looking it up right now on Google. Yeah, Google it. All right. That's yeah. one you can Google. Good luck, George. So, yeah, the, the cardiologist said they, there's nothing else they can do for me. Uh, yeah, there wow. is. Wow. Uh, let me get on the phone with you after. Um, the, okay. After, I'll get your phone number because I okay. want to talk to you some more uh, personally, one-to-one, Good. that we can suggest. Okay? All right. We got George on hold. Thank you, George. Uh, big recall of what I call pacemakers, but they've got technical terms. Thank God they do. Well, they're pacemakers and shock boxes. Okay, and shock okay. boxes. Shock boxes. Okay, great. Pacemakers and shock boxes. That's they're a good term for recalling it. Recalling them. Yeah. And apparently the vaccination protocol that we're all under is working yeah because the numbers are down that's coming up uh, and our shame segment heart health radio on the heart health radio network listen to heart health radio on apple podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com the telephone number between noon and two on saturdays for this radio program is nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. We're shaming a famous podcaster. How did he ever get famous? I don't know. How did all of a sudden Joe yeah. Rogan become the man of podcasting? I have no idea. Yeah, how much they paid for his podcast? A lot of money. Thirty million bucks. Yeah. Why where are you? Spotify, are you yeah. listening? Right. Yeah. Hard health radio, guys. Yeah. We need to get some of that. Spotify. Some of that money. Listen, this is what Joe Rogan said on his podcast. Well, I think you should get vaccinated if you feel like you're, my parents are vaccinated. I've encouraged a lot of people to get And people say, do you think it's safe to get vaccinated? I've said, yeah, I think for the most part it's safe to get vaccinated. I do. I do. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. Yeah. Are you healthy? Are you a healthy person? Like, look, don't do anything stupid, but you should take care of yourself. You yeah. should, if you're if you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, and like, I don't think you need to worry about this. Is he right? No. And and the thing about it is he's a bonehead. Um, okay. Well, he's not a doctor. Well, you know what I would do if I saw him on what? the street and he was telling me this? I said, oh, so you, you were sitting in the back of the room at Johns Hopkins right. and asleep when uh-huh. they gave the lecture on yeah. being on not being stupid and saying <laughs> things you know nothing about. Okay, let's look at the proof that young people should be vaccinated. Well, here it is. People can get very sick uh, when you're less than 21. And you might not die. I mean, the death rate is very low. But it's not just about death and dying. It's about getting a disease. And if you get this disease and you visit grandma, yeah. you're going to kill grandma. And if you look at Israel, the mm-hmm. success story of the world, not as much as, say, <laughs> Taiwan, which Taiwan. had seven deaths total. Okay. We've talked about that a million times. Um, yeah, this, it, anybody who is a human being, and I, I'm going to say once it's proven safe, uh-huh. because it's not proven safe yet, that I think children should get vaccinated. Because you can be an asymptomatic carrier, you can get the disease and just have the sniffles right, and carry it to your grandma or your grandpa. I don't want to be sexist here. Grandma, grandpa. Yeah, How yeah, about yeah. great grandma, great grandma? And so if you look at Israel, they vaccinated everybody. Yeah. And they're almost done vaccinating everybody. And they beat it. The other key thing is England. 
Mm-hmm. They gave everybody the first dose. Uh, you Good. know, I'm talking about teenagers, young adults, everybody. Yeah. Look at the um, graphs. Have you seen them? No. They had England did it wrong in the beginning. Okay, they were even talking about just letting it go through and have herd immunity. Yes. And of course, that was stupid. They had it really bad. But remember the British variant? Okay, that was supposed to be really bad. Well, it came out of Britain. Yeah. And they're down to almost, you know, minuscule numbers of cases. So the vaccine works. It's not dangerous. Um, if you got the J&J, you had a one in a million chance of a blood clot. And Joe, shut your pie hole. I mean, you're not a doctor. You're not. You, he's about as far away from an MD yeah. as the cockroach I smushed this morning. The the <laughs> thing is, I've heard it expressed this way. Young people become the reservoir from which everybody else gets sick. Yeah, and that's that's the whole point. That's the whole point of grandma and grandpa. Now, we the we other need this thing, thing to said, totally die. The other thing he said that yeah. was so stupid yeah. is that if you eat healthy and you exercise, then you're not going to get it. As they no. say, on, apparently not. On, oh, the disease hit the healthy. It hit the weak. It hit the strong. Um, and and you know your immune system is better if you're healthy. Yeah. But suppose you're one of these crazy people that overexercises, then your immune system is weak because of constant inflammation. So if you've heard Joe Rogan on this podcast, do the opposite. <laughs> All right. If you're Di- healthy, Diana and Willow Springs, I'm not sure whether we're going to get to the conclusion of whatever it is you want to discuss, but let's but put we'll you hold, on right we'll now. We'll hold you on. Hi, Diana. Hello. Hey, what's up? Uh, I had a couple of questions, and I'll try to make it quick. Um, it's okay. <clears throat> I enjoyed the show, by the way. It's Thank wonderful. you. Um, Thank you. I am 80 years old. and You're have, young. Um, uh, a, I'm an annual adult, you know, old person's physical um, in June. Uh, And after that, I ask about having a colonoscopy. I'm trying to keep up with all of that stuff. Yeah. And um, they had no record. We changed practices, and that was it. My physician retired. She suggested, uh, or maybe I did, that I get one of the kits that you do the stool sample and you send it off. Cologuard. Right? Yeah. Came back fine? Yeah. Uh, but in January, I had a call uh, or a letter from my uh, colonoscopy person saying I really needed to come in because it had been five years. Mm. Um, and uh, I um, asked my PA doctor, and she said, well, your other thing came back fine. No, don't. Well, let me and ask I you a question. Another, <laughs> what did another, you have? Yeah, what did you have five years ago? Anything? On the colonoscopy, uh, okay. a polyp. Here's, can you read them real quick? Um, it just said uh, findings: multiple medium mass diverticula were found in sigmoid colon. Exam otherwise without um, abnormally on direct and flexion verb. No polyp or mass. All right, hold uh, on, Diana, yeah, because because I, I didn't hear you. It, it, the question I have: Did you have a polyp, like a little dinghy, 
and he undingied you? Did he take anything out All of right, your car? We're, we're going to pick this up okay, with Diana in just away. a little this bit. This is really important. Also, Rose Hoban of NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. She might be a, a few minutes late on today's show, but that's all right. Diana's yeah. Diana's in the waiting room. Yeah, we need to take really care of her. really important, Diana. She's 80 years old, and she wants to know whether she's going to have a repeat she colonoscopy. colonoscopy yeah. All right. Well, that's, yeah. that's a decent question. Uh, I would encourage you to continue listening to the radio program. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. Rose Hoban coming up from North Carolina Health News, but let's pick up with Diana again. Hi, Diana. Hi, Diana. Welcome to the show again. You want to know whether... It is time for another colonoscopy. Yeah. All right. So uh, the big question I had was, did they find a polyp on the last one? Did they have to take anything out? It, it said no polyp yeah. or mass. All right. I'm going to come down hard on this one. Yeah. Diana, you don't need one. Okay. First of all, um, after the age of 50, they recommend the American Gastroenterological Society of the American College of Physicians, they recommend one 10 years later. If you have no polyps. Okay. They don't recommend one if you're over the age of 75 and you've had nothing wrong. So this five-year thing, um, I'm going to say, is not according to guidelines. And you're 80, you're healthy, you had a negative coligard. They did one five years ago and they didn't find anything. Um, My advice to you would be to talk to your primary care physician, which I think you've already done. And, And I... If it were me, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. Now, I had a polyp the last time. So I'm going to get one five years from the last time I had right, it. Right. And I'm 62. So, you know, and I'm going to say this. I don't think you're an old lady. You sound great. 80 years old <laughs> is young today. 80 is the new 50. Uh-huh. So please don't tell. I don't think that I'm calling you old in, in a pejorative sense. Yeah. Um, but if it were me and I had a clean one five years ago and I had a negative coligard, which is a DNA screening test, they take the stool and they check the DNA for bad things that right. could be associated with cancer. The risk of a colonoscopy is, I mean, first of all, you got to drink that seawater sea stuff, which yeah. is horrible. Yeah. And then they could put this thing up you and perforate your colon you know, because yeah. they're sticking a, a tube up there, even though it's flexible. Sure. I mean, you could perforate the colon, and that's a disaster. So this is called risk-benefit analysis. And I think the benefit of you having a colonoscopy in your stage in life is very low. And the risks are moderate. So if it were me, um, and, and even if you wanted to get one, you're not supposed to have one for 10 years after a negative colonoscopy does that make sense really yeah 10 years is the thing oh yeah okay yeah i do have some diverticulosis but i mean that doesn't put you at risk for cancer diverticulosis is not a risk for cancer so i still need to do it yeah diana thank you uh and good luck talk to your primary care physician again i love the program well i love you you. i don't even know you and i love you I want to be your patient. <laughs> uh, we, 
All right. Well, let's let's gab about that later. Go ahead and leave Thank your you. phone number. Thank you, Diana. Yeah. Thank right. you, Diana. All right. Rose Hoban has been patiently waiting. Rose, thank you. We had Hello, to talk gentlemen. to. How are you? Had to finish with Diana. Rose, the mask mandate is gone for outside, except in large Correct. crowds. Except in large crowds. Are we ever going to get rid of the mask mandate for people? close well, in the governor says that the mask mandate can really go away if we get two-thirds of the population of the state vaccinated but right now our population uh, our vaccination rate is just crawling up just crawling up we're just bumping up against 50 percent um we only gave out about 190,000 vaccines last week right really slowing down well, I don't think we're ever going to get two-thirds. Not in North Carolina, because let me tell you, Rose, everybody yeah. who comes in, I've got to convince to get it now. I mean, yeah. most of my patients are vaccinated, but I'm telling you, it's pulling teeth to get somebody well, vaccinated it, now. It, it, it is, although once we get the data and then children, right, who are about 20% of the population, Mm-hmm are allowed to be vaccinated. I can see like half of kids being vaccinated mm. relatively quickly, right? We had friends who came over last weekend and they were vaccinated and we all thought it's good. And then they called us sheepishly on Tuesday saying, our 13-year-old daughter was exposed to someone with COVID. Oh my gosh. And so then they had to take her and go get tested and stuff. I know that they're looking forward to getting their daughter vaccinated. So, right. you know, you could you could see us getting to like 60% once we get kids into the mix. Right. But for crawling, I, I had one local health director describe the next 10 to 20% getting them vaccinated. She called it hand-to-hand combat. Yes. Well, the thing with me is that I've can. Most of the patients, after I give my spiel, yeah. will go off and get vaccinated. Or at least they tell me right. they are. But, I mean, let me tell you what we're, up, what we're up against. I mean, I think that what Biden said is that he's not going to get a vaccine that Trump developed. I mean, that was all political. That actually I hear. And then the other thing is that it was rushed through when they cut corners. And so I try to explain that this is a different mechanism of vaccine development that was not rushed through. That the principles of a messenger RNA producing the spike protein, that's been around for a while. And, and that's why, yeah, the concept's been around for 10 years. And the company Moderna, they were, they were there um, already, you know, going to develop this thing. So it's not they been They were waiting rushed. for their moment, Moderna yeah. was. They were just waiting for their moment. Yeah. Right. Rose, thank you very much. I want everybody to go to... Uh, NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. There's an interesting story that might just be a big, big story in the future about something called a zebra mussel. Has nothing to do with the striped animal. Well, they look kind of like a zebra. It's an invasive species that may one day be in North Carolina waters, and they've got the story right there on NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Thank you, Rose. Thanks, gentlemen. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care. All right, take care. We got Larry in Raleigh. Before we pick up with Larry, let me just tell you that there's a, been a big recall of what I call pacemakers. 
They are the implantable devices yeah. that are that, that are you can use to restart your heart. Yeah. Well, what, uh, pacemakers just keep your heart from going too slow. Okay. When you've had a weak heart, or if you've had a lethal arrhythmia, um, that means the bottom part of the heart quivered and you died. The defibrillator is a shock box. That's what we used to call it. Sure. A shock box. Is it like the big thing? Well, yeah, but it's inside. Okay. Okay, so these are now, they used to be the size of hockey pucks, even bigger. And they're very complicated but beautiful machines. And and they're machines. They have uh, computers. They analyze. They decide. They provide a big jolt of electricity, and it restarts the heart. Right. So that's the difference between a defibrillator and a pacemaker. Now- They've recalled a bunch. Medtronic's had a lot of problems. They're, they are the number one producer in terms of volume of pacemakers and defibrillators. And now they have what's called a class one recall. Now, what does that mean? That means you better be careful. So if you have one of these new ones, Evera, Viva, Brava, Clearia, Amplia, I don't know, they made these many different types. Vizia. Vizia. They yeah. can suddenly run out of juice. I mean, just they and, run out of juice. And so I'm not going to go into the details of the mechanism of that. But Do, do they need to be taken out? Need, no. They, th- what they recommend is that you have them checked with the home monitor. Yeah. Everyone get a home monitor. And it can tell you how much juice is left in it. And if all of a sudden it starts to lose juice, right. replace it. Okay. Larry in Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Hey. Welcome. What's uh, up? Enjoy your program. Listen to it for a year or two. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Um, my wife was born in 1951. She's, she's young. With spina bifida. Oh, wow. With spina yeah, bifida. Yeah. Yes. They sewed it up over at Duke, and she's doing fine, or was doing fine. She was a hairdresser for like 40 years. I yes. need a haircut. And, well, she can't do it anymore. Yeah. She disappointed a few of her customers. Sure. Um, in 16, she fell and broke her hip. I mean, her, yeah, her hip. Yes. Had a partial hip replacement. Fell um, in September of 16, fractured her knee, then fell in October and broke four toes in her right foot. These are oh all on our right side. Um, we've been to doctors and now she keeps falling because her legs are giving out. Uh-huh. Right. And we don't know who to go to. We've been to Wake. We've been to Duke. We've been to Carolina. Well, that's a tough question. Um, Duke neurosurgery. I imagine you saw a neurosurgeon, right? Um, well, it's a back doctor. Okay. Well, there's two types of back doctors. Um, there is a... spine doctor. Yeah. There's two types of spine doctor. There's an orthopedist. Uh Uh-huh. And then there's a neurosurgeon. Um, I am not the world's expert on spina bifida. When you, when you talk to uh, a doctor and he says that he knows everything, then you need to go and... Fire them. Ask another one. Yeah, get another um, one. Yeah. Uh, you know, Duke's really great, not just because I trained there. Um, I think that the best spina bifida doctors are at 
places like Duke. Um, and I don't know where to tell you to go. Um, Larry, do you know what kind of back doctor your wife sees? Uh, he was a, a spine doctor. He, was he an orthopedist? I don't. Was he an orthopedist, Vicky? He just gave her some shots. You know yeah. what I think, Larry? Uh, let me let me tell you the places. Okay, Duke is right up there. Yeah. Um, it, again, what I'm going to tell you to do uh, is give your phone number because I'm going to call you and. and you and I are going to talk about the name of the doctor that you saw. Yeah. Because it might not have been the El Hancho. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's the thing. Now, I'm going to tell you, there are a bunch of really good programs. Um, and Johns Hopkins is one. Mayo Clinic is one. And, you know, if, if Duke is really saying there's nothing they can do for you, then what I would say is get a second opinion. Um, but it may have been that she didn't see the Hancho. Right. Uh, by that, I mean... The guy who knows the most. All right, I've put Larry on hold. We'll get Larry's, and you're you're going to be busy this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, that's okay. I'm going to have fun after the show is done. He's going to call Larry and talk. Yeah, and, and the kind of conversation you're going to have doesn't it have to do with advocating for yourself with the doctor? No, I'm not going to ask them to be my patient. Just the opposite. No, what no, I, no. I mean, a, I don't mean your patient. I, I mean, mean, you you want them to say, listen, if you can't help me. Well, yeah. Who can? And and also there are things that, you know, I don't want to use names right. of people who may, you know, I don't want to get confused. Confusion shouldn't be spread. That's like Joe Rogan saying this stuff he has nothing, yeah. he knows nothing about. Right. And, and so when patients bring up issues that I think are more complicated than, you know, discussions on the radio for yeah. public information. Yeah. You know, okay. Like if somebody called me and and said there is this crazy North Carolina teacher, right, who is going to try to run people over in the parking lot, yeah, that would be I, me. I do that off the air. Yeah, Dave, okay. I mean, wouldn't you want me to spare your name on the radio? But here's the thing: if yeah. you, there was a cardi, you are a cardiologist, <laughs> an internal medicine internal specialist, medicine specialist, and cardiologist. I know a lot. And if there was a cardiology thing. That you needed to kick upstairs to a different cardiologist, yeah. you'd be very comfortable well, with I it. I kick things up all the time. Good. So, for example, uh, defibrillators we just talked about. Right. I kick it up to Pablo or Trebco. Right. If somebody needs a stent, um, I kick it up to Medea Saeed or Josh Maycumber. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, if somebody needs open heart surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you. Yeah, you get, you get Dr. Bolton. Yeah. Ask Dr. Bolton because, you know, he was a success. With mine, yeah, he did. He did, and I did. I'm here. Well, so this is this is a good thing. People ask me, "Do you feel better?" See, yeah, I feel better. You better I feel better than better. I did, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten weeks ago. Yeah, I feel much better than your I, color is better. My color is better. How much weight have you lost? Total? What since the surgery? Oh, I don't think I've lost weight at all. Why not? You should be exercising. I haven't and... stepped on the haven't stepped on the scale. Uh, all right, things coming up. We've got a great shout-out. Two shout-outs, yeah. in fact. One doctor doesn't know about. We'll talk about masks oh, no. outdoors. Oh, no. And if we can find time, you know, we got to squeeze this in. The bowel movement frequency discussion on today's Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to kick my Some people just make me want to shout. 
including one of your patients. Yeah, um, I saw, and he gave me permission yeah. to speak about his situation. Ashley had been a little overweight, you know, when he was in high school. But, you know, as we get older and everything, he, he got up tipping the scales. Yeah. Um, close to 400 pounds. And we've been working together on what I like to call a medical bariatric program. So bariatric surgery works wonderfully. Um, I think it's it's a key um, surgical intervention for this day and age because obesity is really, really tough. But there, if you don't want to go through surgery, it takes a while because you've got to change your habits. Mm-hmm. But there's also medicines that can help. And... If you're screened appropriately and don't have serious heart disease and you get your blood pressure under control, yeah. there are three medicines that are on the board on board to now, and they work. Mm-hmm. And you know how much weight he's lost? 150 pounds. That's amazing. In one year. And he's stuck with his no-no diet. He's stuck with his medications. He's stuck with his uh, you know exercise. Yeah. And he's... Not hypertensive anymore. That's great. And I think we're going to get him off of CPAP. And the other thing is, he's just, he's happy now that he's shown to himself that he can do it with assistance from his physician. We got to get the insurance companies to pay for skin surgery. You know what I'm talking about? I tell you, that's the worst thing. That, that, That if someone loses 100 pounds, they... The skin is an issue. Yeah, doesn't always go well. Hardly ever goes away. Hardly ever goes away. want to shout out Michael Collins, yeah. who ought to be more famous than he is. Well, he's pretty famous. He was. So um, Mike, what people don't realize is that he flew before Apollo 11. Yeah. Okay? He flew in Gemini 8. Really? And he was the one who did the spacewalk and showed that you could do the docking and all that stuff, right. and and the astronauts were like, "Woo!" Yeah. And so he was the command module pilot for Apollo Eleven. Yep. And they called him the forgotten astronaut. Well, he also wrote a book called "Carrying the Fire," and that was all about you know his mission, what he thought of it. Now people don't realize he had to orbit the moon thirty times by himself. Yeah. And every other mission, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, there was a command module pilot. It was all by himself yeah. and um, carried the fire. And he was in constant communication. Now, the other cool thing that he had to do mm-hmm. was that lunar module would come up from the moon. Right. I mean, he had to be in the exactly right position. That's right. And then dock with those guys. Right. And, and just an amazing human being. 90 years old. Right. And he became the assistant head of the Smithsonian Institution after being the head of the Air and Space Museum. Now, you ask yourself, how do I know all this? Yeah. No, I didn't read it. No, no, no. I was a space nut, a yeah. space cadet. Yeah. We used to sit on the couch. Amen. With our, with our fake helmets on our backs. <laughs> With the yes. countdown, making the, we're taking off. That's right. And did you ever see Apollo 13? Yeah, yeah, One yeah. One of the yeah. greatest lines there is, uh, the clock is running. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these guys are like, you know, they're really into it and yeah. taking off. Yeah. And we got to get back out in space. We got to get a moon base. We got to go to Mars. Yeah. Because if you think about it, listening to this show, 
And as good as the show is, it it it, <laughs> it depended upon Apollo Eleven. Yeah. Because the microcomputers that yes. they needed, yes, MIT and Caltech, they went at it. And it's all. You think the iPhone could have been around without going no. to the moon? Nope. No way. No. All right. This we put it off as long as we can. There is a um, um, a piece of research. Uh, I don't know who how they ever studied this. Well, come on, it's important to know. Important to know, but not so easy to to discover that bowel movement frequency has uh, is an indicator of some cancers. Colon cancer. Colon cancer. Now, what they say is that if you don't go to the bathroom, I mean, number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Poopy. Yeah. Within six days that you better be, you know, worried about six, a 50% risk of COVID. Six risk days. COVID. Now, let me tell you something. If I hadn't gone in six days, I'd be calling 911 because my belly would be so bloated, it'd be about to explode. My colon health is one of the <laughs> greatest things that I'm proud of. <laughs> Two times a day, bro. <laughs> And you know, and it's not a, it's not, an ex, you know, horrible type. Uh huh. It's a good one. It's a know? healthy one. It's a healthy one. You know, there's a scale. There's I a didn't poop scale. know. No, I don't want to know. Yeah, no one through six. One is I have fours. Fours are the best. <laughs> um, and I can tell you, it's really funny the descriptions. Okay. But, you know, on one end of the scale, it's like you're exploding water, you know. And the other end of the scale is little teeny weeny hard pellets that take you an hour to get out. Yeah. Um, come on now. If you're not pooping within six days. Six I think within three days. days. Six yeah. days. Yeah. So here's the article. You know, if you haven't pooped in six days, <laughs> you have 50% greater risk of colon cancer. And, you know, I think if you haven't pooped in six days, you got to call CNN. I mean, or, or the Guinness Book people. Yeah, really, honestly. So honestly, uh, here's the lesson, though. Yeah, change in bowel habits. If you are, you know, regular and you're eating the same thing, uh-huh. and all of a sudden, either going way too much, yeah, or not enough, right? Go see your doctor because change in bowel habits is a sign. And then if your if your stools are normal, you know yeah. number fours, they yeah. look like a banana, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. If they're pencil thin, yeah, that's, that's a problem. Sign. That's yeah, a problem. because you could have a lesion um, that looks like a donut um, of cancer, and what's going through the middle, yeah, is like play doh. You know how they did you did you have play doh when you were okay? A kid? You don't have to. You put that thing in. I and don't you think you actually it, have to go. Thing would come out. You don't really have to go into. Yeah, you great do. This detail. is a doctor show. I we know it's can a doctor show. Discuss doctor things, okay? All right. There's an article about a possible chlorine shortage. Yeah, I want to make sure this gets out because we're heading into some some summertime, some yeah. some 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 my favorite time of year. Yeah. The pool. Now, yeah. most. New pools are what we call salt pools. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So they have sodium chloride in low levels, and it goes through a machine and gets zapped, and that produces a quick chlorine gas, and right. as it goes through, it sterilizes the water. But the other ones are chlorinated are chlorine. pools. And that's, you can tell because they stink. Yeah. You know, actually, people like that smell. It reminds them of summer as a kid. Sure. There's a chlorine shortage. 
Okay. Oh boy. And so I want you all to be aware when yep. you go to the pool, you need to smell the chlorine. Yes. You need to ask the person who runs the pool if it's been checked and is it fully chlorinated because you can get sick from non-chlorinated pools. I mean really sick. Really sick. All sorts of things. This is Heart Health Radio. Another hour of this show coming up. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to this radio show from Noon till 2 every Saturday. Every. Right here. Wonderful Saturday. I wish all Saturdays were like today. No, no, no. It, it's it's, it's a beautiful day, but at the other end of it is, I really think this is a too good a day to be inside. Uh, Yeah. So I would rather be outside. Yeah. Maybe next week. Well, I was Take surprised the number of calls we've gotten because usually when it's this nice out, people yeah. are outside. Christine, it's such a good show. Oh yeah, yeah. People want to listen. Christine from Cary, you are on Heart Health Radio. Thank you for calling. Yes, hello. Hi. I've been on propranolol for good two years. We're not sure we got that. Christine, tell me what the medicine is again. Oh, it's propranolol, a beta blocker. Yeah, propranolol. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I have a hard time. I know a lot about it. What are you on it Um, for? But it works like a charm. But I've always wondered how does it work? How would a beta blocker prevent migraines? And oh, should I be concerned? Good question. I've been on it for a good two years. Good question. All right. So, um, how bad are your migraines? I mean, do you have them every day, three well, two times, times a month. Yeah. And are you they, still? Um, my doctor has also given me a triptan for when they get really yeah. bad. Uh huh. And how bad are they? Is vision goes bad, bad headache, nausea, what kind of symptoms? Light light sensitivity? What kind oh, of yes, symptoms? The whole thing. I've also yeah. had um, where I've lost vision in one eye. Ooh. Ooh, that's not good. All right, let's talk about propranolol. Really good medicine for migraines. Um, they don't quite understand migraines completely, but there are... Two problems. One is constriction of the blood vessel and then dilatation of another blood vessel. And so they think that when the blood vessel constricts, it leads to a dilatation. So you have one area good blood flow, one area too much blood flow, and then one area not enough blood flow, and it leads to headaches. Where is this, in the brain? In the brain, Yeah. yeah. So the brain doesn't hurt. It's the outside of the brain. It's all that situations of muscle and bone and stuff like that. So propranolol is a very interesting thing, beta blocker, and it's what we call a nonspecific beta blocker. Now, what does that mean? In your arteries are these little um, keyholes, 
called beta receptors, and they control whether or not your artery constricts or not. And it works along with adrenaline because adrenaline can do it. When you block the beta-2 in your arteries, you can't dilate. You can't do that dilation thing. Yeah. And so it works really well because it's a pretty powerful beta blocker. So you take it, and then the keys are the propranolol. And they go in to the lock, which is the beta receptor, mm-hmm. but it's the wrong key. And mm. it won't let that beta receptor cause the dilatation of your artery, which can lead to the headache. Now, the triptan works in a different way. <laughs> it helps to spasm the artery that is dilating without spasming the one that's already spasmed. It's a very good medicine, and you take that only when you have a headache. Now, I'm going to go into something that I think is remarkable about migraines is that there's a whole new way to treat them. Okay. They now know that most migraines are caused by this thing called calcitonin gene related peptide. Let's just say calcitonin gene related peptide is this thing running around in everybody's body. But in people who have migraines, it overreacts and leads to all the things that happen with migraines, the constriction and dilatation. Well, remember, um, the monoclonal antibodies I've been harping on for yes. two years. I might have remembered that. Yeah. Yes. So they, they are a uh, artificially produced antibody that binds up the calcitonin gene-related peptide. There's t- three of them on there. I can only remember two, a Jovi and Amivig. Mm-hmm. And they are prescription medicines. And you take the Amivig or the Ajovi once a month. Sometimes you can take all three shots every three months. And they bind up this calcitonin gene-related peptide, and they prevent it from leading to a migraine. It's remarkable. I mean, people having 10 migraines a month, now they have three migraines a month. And on top of that, there's a new pill called Ubrelvi, and then there's another one whose name escapes me. And they are immediate-acting, and they prevent this calcitonin gene-related peptide from leading to a migraine. So you take the Ajovi or the Amivig every month, and then when you get a breakthrough headache, you take this thing called Ubrelvi, and it gets rid of the headache. And they're remarkable. Um, they're relatively new, been around three years. Yeah. So here's my advice. Um, stay on your medicines, but ask your doctor about the new ways of treating migraine because they really help people. And there may be a reason why he or she hasn't offered it to you yet, but find out because if you're a migraine sufferer, these, these medicines are godsends. And I use them all the time. Yeah. Now, I've had someone have a... Remember she said she lost her vision? Yeah. That's from a constriction of a blood vessel in the eye. And that, you could lead to blindness. I had a lady have a stroke from a migraine, and she was having 15, 20 migraines a month. She hasn't had a single migraine since maybe three months ago. Calcitonin gene-related peptides. That's pretty... That's a mouthful. We're putting that on the website yeah. for the... For the description of today's show. Well, CGRP, or what we call it, the migraine protein. All right. You know. Good luck, Christine. Thank you. Carl in Durham, thank you for calling. How you doing, Carl? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. What's, What's up? up? So this is not a medical thing. This is something 
Dr. Lee Paul, that I heard you a while ago talking about a space program. And there's a person and a book I think you should read. The guy's name is Basil uh, Hero, exactly as you would think it would be spelled. And the name of the book is The Mission of a Lifetime. And I had dinner with him last night. He and his wife are clients of my wife in real estate. He just sold him a really nice house. Yeah, the guy is really fascinating. He went to show, and then I forget which Ivy he went to, but he got into journalism, and then he got into broadcast journalism. And he's sixty-five years old now, and he decided to write a book five years ago about the Apollo program. And he has interviewed. It's really fascinating. I mean, he's interviewed presidents, a lot of the presidents, including a wannabe president Hillary. And I won't tell you how that interview went. But oh my! He, you know, he. He uh, has written this book, A Mission of a Lifetime, and he, it was his goal to interview all of those Apollo astronauts wow. before they passed away. And Colin was one of his last interviews, and he said the guy was fascinating. So wow. just, that's just a little side note. I heard you talking about that. Oh, I'm going to tell you, I love the space program. Um, I was born in 59, and I can remember every flight of Mercury. I was four. Really? When they yeah. went, maybe maybe not everyone, but I remember John Glenn going up. Yeah. Um, I remember Gordo Cooper. I mean, I've seen all the movies. My hero is Jim Lovell from Apollo 13. Like, you imagine you're up there and your service module explodes. Right. And then you gotta you gotta um, rely on the guys on the ground to improvise and the carbon dioxide rising. There's no heat. Right. They did it, man. I mean, that's America. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it is. Lovell is one of the one of the guys he interviewed, and he said the guys everything that Tom Hanks plays in that movie and more. That yeah. He was he was modest about what he did as accomplishments and all of that, and you know it was one of their most successful missions by returning those people. But I just thought I'd give you a tip on this. Book. I appreciate uh, it. Can I can I tell a funny story? story? Can I tell a funny story about Apollo Eleven? Go ahead. Okay, sure. so you I don't know if you remember this, but they got a twelve oh one alert on the computer. They said the computer was controlling their landing, and they actually wove. They had seamstresses that wove the memory in a certain way. They wove these wires. I'm not kidding. Oh, my. And so it was foolproof, except when it got overloaded. But the cool thing is, when it got overloaded, it would say 1201 and restart. Yeah. And it would know everything that it had previously done. And they kept getting 1201, you know, and you hear Neil Armstrong calling out the 1201. And then there were three people about ready to push the abort button. But they oh, called yeah. someone at MIT who had done the computer thing. They said, ah, it's just overloaded. Don't worry about it. You know why I got overloaded? Why? Well, because Buzz Aldrin was worried when they undocked from Michael Collins and, and the Columbia. Yeah. They kept the radar on that would guide them back to dock. You're supposed yeah. to turn that off. Yeah. And so <laughs> it was overloaded because of that. And they almost aborted the landing. Because of the 1201 error. Anyway, I'm, I'm a nut about this. Get me started and I'll talk about I, Even more than I'm a nut about medical. Armstrong was the only one, only one of those Apollo 11 guys that was still living who did not want to do an interview for whatever reason. Humble. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's humble. Well, do you know how he died? Uh, no, this is medical now. He had bypass surgery and I will not name the hospital. Oh my, yes. And they were... 
Uh, it's complicated. Pulling the wires, okay? They were doing some stuff. He had done very well. And uh, he bled to death inside his chest after the surgery. Oh, and my. Uh, they just talked about, quote-unquote, complications of surgery, but apparently it's a huge lawsuit. Can you imagine being that person that did that procedure without it being, you know, monitored? And right. Who killed the first man who walked on the moon? Huh? These yeah. things happen. Yeah. Carl, thank you. I love the space program. Thank uh, you for and calling. We called, that, we called that up on the computer. It is called Mission, The Mission of a Lifetime, the book by Basil Hero. Again. I'm, I'm going to read it. Spelled I'm the way you would it. expect. If it's on uh, Apple Books, whatever, I'm going to get it. All right. I'm going to read it tonight. You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by continuing to listen to this radio show. Cryoablation for AFib. Ooh, Coming up, we're going to discuss that. I'm also, helpful. there's there's an ED medicine that has a side effect of you living longer, which makes sense because pe- happy people live longer. It's just natural. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts and at hearthealthradio.com. Who are we shaming this time, doctor? Well, I'm going to name names. Leela Centner, C-E-N-T-N-E-R. She's the founder and the head of a private Miami area school. Yeah. And it costs 30 30 grand a year. 300 patients. Really? 300 patients, 300 students. Wow. And here's the quote. Um, They will not employ any staff that has received a coronavirus vaccination. (laughs) And those that have gotten the vaccination will be asked to isolate from students. Now, think about this. <laughs> They're not saying you got to have the vaccine no, no, to no, work. No. They're saying if you had it, you can't work. And why is that? Report, this is what she said. Reports have surfaced recently of non-vaccinated people being negatively impacted by interacting with people who have been vaccinated, whatever that means. What she's saying is that if you got the vaccine, you're dangerous. You're going to hurt people who haven't gotten the vaccine. Now, I'm sorry. It's really sad that yeah. some of these crazies um, are getting their, their points across on Facebook and, you know, word of mouth. Right. And I'm not for censorship. I think this woman should be allowed to say what she wants to right. say. Right. But my purpose in life is to tell you all listening out there, this is not true and what are they saying now that the vaccine can um change your dna it cannot make you into a mutant okay you're not going to have a spike protein growing out of the forehead (laughs) i hope i hope yeah yeah and then you know it 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 doesn't have microchips that were designed by bill gates so they can track you that was another story somebody a a congressman who asked the fauci uh, no, Dr. Fauci. And, you know, it's just, I'm sorry. The vax, I'm going to tell you this right now. The vaccines are safe. They're effective. It's been proven in Britain and Israel that the more people who are vaccinated, the more likely it is, not just likely, the, the proof is that the, mm-hmm. the pandemic is going away. Right, right. Don't be afraid of the vaccine. And what's the worst thing that could happen? The blood clots that have hurt some people, a handful of people. It's a one in a million chance. 
Is One it, in a million. And that's only with the J&J vaccine, not right. with Moderna, right. not with Pfizer. You know, Pfizer's become a status symbol now. Really? Yeah, I had the Pfizer vaccine. That's the best. That's the best? Come on. Get either one. Any of them. Yeah, any of them. All right. There is something I actually happen to know at this point what AFib is. It's an electrical issue with the top of the heart. Right. Oh, you are... Have you... You were... Two years. Yes. The last two years of medical school is what you've experienced. Yes. But don't hang up a shingle. No, I won't. No, I'm not going to practice medicine. (laughs) All right. So AFib... Is this thing yeah. that occasionally comes yeah. up and and people a feel lot. it? It's weird. I'm seeing so much more of it than I did when I was younger, and yeah. I think it's because people are aging. So if you have high blood pressure, if you've had heart blockages, or just out of the blue, the top part of your heart called the atria, they can develop a spasm where the electricity is chaotic, and instead of you know boom 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 yeah. boom, yeah. it's boom 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 because the top part is just quivering. The danger with that is it can go too fast and make you feel really sick. The worst thing is it can form blood clots because no longer is the blood flowing smoothly. And there are nooks and crannies in the top called the atrial appendage or the things that hang over that make the heart-shaped heart, you know, the, the things yeah. on top. Yeah. I always think of I Love Lucy when I think of the heart. But anyway, <laughs> just random <laughs> thoughts spewing from my mind. When I see that, I think that. I think you're having brain AFib. Honey, I'm home. (laughs) Anyway. You got some splaining to do. Splaining. Anyway, so the (laughs) clots can form. They can break off, go to your brain, and then you'll be like Lucy, okay? Anyway, the question now is when you develop AFib. Yeah. Medicines or ablation. Now, what's an ablation? That's a procedure where they go up through your leg and they go in with a soft plastic tube, you know, bendable, that's got either a freezer on the end or yeah. an electrical current on the end. Huh. They can map out where these electrical signals are and they get rid of them. They either freeze them to death or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What do you do? And the answer is ablation works better. Which ablation? The uh, one either with... one. Cryo either or, one. yeah. Okay. So if you've got AFib, and your doctor says, you know, we're going to do all these meds for six months. Ask him or her, have you read the study? Right. In the right hands, ablation appears to have fewer um, recurrences of AFib and fewer bad complications down the line. You're, you're actually taking action against the AFib to prevent it or? You are going at that right. sucker and getting rid of it. Now, the one thing that I've noticed, and I've hung around a couple of cardiologists lately, is that... <laughs> Do you know the good ones? Yeah, no, ah. some of them. Here's the thing. There are people who just do that one procedure, and that's because they get good at it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's there's demand for that and it one is, listen, procedure. That is a complicated thing. Right. I mean, you don't want to do this at home. No, you no, You don't no. want to have somebody who's done a couple of them. You want to have a doctor, he or she, who has been specifically trained in this procedure. I mean, you do medical school, yeah. then you do internal medicine, yeah. then you do cardiology, then you do electrophysiology. That's sure. the term. So they could put some pacemakers in, but the main thing that they're doing now is these abla- are, are these ablations. Right. And I'm going to shout out Pavlo Natrebko. He does a great, great job. 
Um, there's a Dr. Ranitsky, begins with an H, H-R-I, uh-huh. H Ranitsky, I can't think of it right yeah. now. He's at Wake Med and Duke, and he's fantastic. So we've got some great guys here in this area, and um, talk to your doctor. If you have AFib, it's new onset, yeah. and ablation appears to work better. I guess m- my point was, I think I miss your point. I always miss your point. Sometimes you have to ask for a specific doctor. In other words, yeah. if you want this cryoablation, yeah. you might only find a couple of people in this area well, yeah. doing that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Okay. So if you've had a cardiologist who's just a regular cardiologist like me, a general cardiologist, um, they a, a he, work a day. A work a day. Yeah. He should know. He or she should know who the best ones are. Right. And he or she will tell you. But I, I love Pablo. If you're listening, Pablo, <laughs> I love you. All right. I, we only have a couple of minutes, which is why I'm bringing up this subject, because Uh-oh. Uh-oh. we're not mature enough to be on the radio and talk about this subject for too long. There's an ED medicine yeah. that is reducing heart disease. Yeah. The and brand it, name is Muse. Yeah. It's amusing. Yeah. But. Um, it is a uh, erectile dysfunction drug. It's yeah. a prostaglandin, which means it increases blood flow. Yeah. And it's a little stick, and you put it where the sun don't shine, the front side of the sun don't shine. And it can cause uh, you to uh, have your manhood back. Well, it seems that administering this medicine to people with congestive heart failure makes them live longer and better. So it's not approved yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you. Now, the other thing is, and these are not double-blind studies where you give people the placebo and then you give people the medicine and you follow them. Yeah. But yeah. they followed a bunch of Brits in the UK. Yeah. And those who took Viagra had fewer heart attacks, fewer heart failure versus those who didn't. Now, that could be not because of the Viagra working. It be, could be because... The people who didn't need it, okay, you sure somehow had something wrong with them. Sure, and the people who needed it, yeah, um, when it was fixed, it fixed the heart too. But the good news is that um, you can repurpose medicines, okay, yeah, and and they can have beneficial effects. And so we shouldn't, you know, I, I got in trouble once. I had a guy report me. For oh, bringing gosh. it up. I said, how's your sex life? <coughs> and he got really mad and said, I had no reason to ask him that. Woo. But now we can talk about it. It's a medical thing. I, th- I thought so. You thought yeah. so. All right. We're going to talk about sleep and is it a priority? And we're also going to discuss depression and heart disease. This is another one yeah. where, where a medicine might actually, might actually yeah. help. Help. The for, other thing. For somebody with heart issues. That's all coming up on Heart Health Radio. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to this show. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. Telephone number 919-860-9783. Call us up. Dr. Weefall will be happy to talk to you about anything you're going to talk about. The space program. I yeah, mean, you, you know, know, whatever. 
Yeah. Um, sleeping is a priority. It's always been a priority for me. Yeah. If I miss an hour of sleep or if I toss and turn for an extra hour, I am wasted the next yeah. day. And it, let me tell you, I um, have learned something um, that I am a much better person since I stopped going to the hospital. And the reason is I was in solo private practice. Yeah. I got called every night. And I mean, I just think to, I just think to myself right now, that's a different person right. sleep deprived right. than I am now. And so the bottom line is that just studies and studies and studies have come out that if you're falling asleep in the afternoon, if you're tired, uh, either because you have sleep apnea and you're not getting enough right. sleep or because you're burning the midnight oil and getting up, you know, 12 to 4, mm-hmm. you're going to die younger than someone who gets a good night's sleep. And I, I try to tell my patients, I mean, why would God put you in the bed for eight hours? It's to recharge the brain. Right. It's to renew all the proteins and all the chemicals that have been worn out in your brain and your body if you're not sleeping. Make it a priority to see your physician and find out why you're not sleeping. There are all sorts of different reasons. And I have so many people who say, I don't want to sleep study. I, don't, I can't wear that mask. And they have this impression yeah. that they're going to be, you know, Darth Vader for the rest of their life. <laughs> you know, and it's not the case. There is a new thing out. Mm-hmm. And I want to get this person on the phone, the Inspire. Yeah. And it's a little pacemaker. Really? And it senses when you're not getting air, and it gives a little teeny weeny electrical signal that opens up the muscles in the back of your throat and yeah. lets the air in. So you're not doing anymore. It's when the pacemaker senses you're trying to breathe. It's yes. And so I've got several patients who've had it, and it's an alternative. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you to a sleep specialist sure to see if they think you're good for it there's also surgery uh i had my tonsils and my uvula that little hanging down thing yes i had mine taken out my sleep apnea was cured right um chronic sinus congestion because during deep deep sleep when your body is paralyzed your mouth muscles have to be paralyzed too and if you don't breathe through your nose you're not going to stay in stage four deep sleep where the body recharges. Right. So if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you wake up with a headache, if you're not sleeping for whatever reason, mm-hmm. get it fixed. I've got the regular CPAP. Yeah. And it, it uh, honestly, I do look funny when I'm wearing the mask. You look funny right now. Right. But, you know, there are a very limited number of people who actually see me when it's bedtime. <laughs> so... I put that thing on. I turn the. All it does, from my perspective, is it blows air into my nose, yeah. and I cannot keep my mouth open yeah. under that circumstance. You have a chin strap. No, no, no. It it's just one of these things where, because it's blowing air in my nose, oh. if I had my mouth open, uh-huh. it would I would make a funny sound. Uh. It would, the air would go all the way through, and nobody wants to do that. Uh, so know. it's a little tiny thing on my you nose. You have on the nose only. On the nose yeah. only. So there's a full face mask. There's what we call nasal pillows, which yeah. sit in your nose. Oh, yeah, I don't know. And then there's a, a little triangular thing. Right. sits over your nose. And, you know, 
some people cannot do it. They are claustrophobic. And I, I urge you to realize that there's not just a mask that will help you sleep. Suppose you have restless leg syndrome yeah. where your legs don't stop moving. Remember I said you'd be paralyzed when you're sleeping in right. deep sleep? So please, it, it's a matter of life and death that you fix your sleep problems. Right. Because you're not going to live long as long as you could. Yeah. And not as well as you could. Life is not just about longevity. Don't you want to dance through the afternoon and feel good, have no brain fog? Right. And not be angry? I mean, people who have anger issues, a lot of times it's because they're not sleeping. And and I'm telling you, it's important. Fix it. All right. Yeah. I will. Depression and heart disease. Yeah. There's a depression medicine. Yeah. That is apparently having an effect on people's heart. Yeah, it's really good because, you know, people who have bypass surgery, they have a chemical change in their brain. You were off pump, okay? That means you didn't have to go through the heart-lung machine to oxygenate your blood. Yeah. People who've been on the pump, little teeny weeny blood clots that you can't even, you know, pick up medically right. can go to the brain and change the brain chemistry and you come out depressed. Remember, depression is an illness, okay? It's not a moral turpitude issue. It's not because your mother didn't breastfeed you. I mean, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. I mean, it, that's a simple way to put it. And if you're depressed after bypass surgery or after a stent or after a heart attack, you know, that's situational depression, Yeah, ask for help. And there's a medicine called duloxetine. Um, it's well known as Cymbalta. Yeah. And it is a special kind of medicine because it has more than one way of working. So um, Prozac, it works as a, a, an inhibitor of an uptake. No, let me just make it simple. It, it raises your, your serotonin levels okay. in a certain way. Well, Cymbalta not only raises your serotonin levels, it raises the epinephrine in the brain. But it also does something people didn't know. It prevents the platelets from clotting too much. And that's what can mess up your heart. If you've had a stent or if you have a cholesterol blockage, the platelets can clog on that plaque and cause the blood flow to shut off. So now they seem to think that not only would this involve to help your depression, and I use it a lot on my patients, mm -hmm. but it also prevents further heart issues. So we got a two-for-one. A twofer kills two birds with one stone. Yeah. And so ask your doctor if you're depressed after surgery or if you're a heart patient and you're depressed about that, get help. Don't be afraid to say, is there something you can prescribe for me um, that can help me? And maybe he or she will choose Cymbalta. I don't know. But the data is there, and I'm very excited because I see so many people unhappy. Is it and because unhappy people are not really healthy? I, I mean, what I mean is, from a casual standpoint, I am more likely to participate in my health if I'm a happy person yeah. generally. I mean, I've been depressed. Have you been depressed? I've been really depressed. I don't think I've been depressed, but I've been mean oh okay I'm a sad well, sack. Yeah. i've been i've had real bad depression and let me tell you my health suffered i wasn't taking care of myself etc etc and why live that way you know right. better living through chemistry i think and now i'm on two medicines for it and i'm happy and healthy and a better a better man you know, you they, know? they talk about getting people who are on the street People who are homeless, yeah. getting them 
write it around. Well, a huge. Most of the people on the street are are, are mentally ill. Schizophrenia is probably the biggest one. And that, and that anything they they've got that's chronic. Yeah. My gosh, I have a hard time. I'm you know a middle class guy. I have a, with help. Yeah. I have a hard time managing yeah. my heart disease. Yeah. You know, I got 115 pills to take. Thank God my wife is, she's dropping little pills. I hope she's dropping them properly well, into the know. little, today's you Sunday? Know. Oh, today's Saturday. I better pull the pills Pull one out. out, yeah. Pull one out. Phil in Raleigh, God bless you. What's going on, Phil? Hey, good afternoon. Uh, welcome back, Dave. Uh, good, good Thank you. Voice. Thank you. Um, I have a, uh, a cardio question for the doctor. Sure. Um, I had some blood pressure issues. Uh, I've been on blood pressure meds since about 50 years old. I'm 66 now. Uh-huh. And uh, I have. I, I was having very high spikes in the morning. Okay. For, for whatever reason. Well, were you sleeping? And I, pardon? Do you sleep well or no? Uh, so-so. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't interrupt you. But I actually that, did. That's but. fine. I, I, <laughs> I, I was originally on Lazartan 100 milligrams uh-huh. in the morning. Uh, and uh, potassium, because for whatever reason, yeah. um, my potassium was low. Okay. And I negotiated with my doctor. I, I didn't want to get on any additional drugs, but what we ended up with, and it seems to be working, is to split my Lozartan to 50 milligrams in the morning and 50 at night. Yeah. Uh, and since the 50s don't come with the diuretic, uh, the hydro... Chlorothiazide. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I've got that script still. Still on the potassium, but we added, and I won't try to pronounce it, Norvask. Yeah, that's perfect pronunciation. Five milligrams of Norvask in the morning. Morning. And I had my physical in early March. Things seem to have settled down pretty well. I keep a log on my blood pressure because I do have white coat syndrome. It's always high in the doctor's office. Yeah. Do, do they take it 15 minutes later after you've relaxed? No, they just review my log. Yeah. They trust me. Okay, that's good. That's a better way, actually. Well, that that's what my GP says. Yep. But anyway, um, I seem to have my blood pressure under control, but um, I have swollen ankles and a bit of swelling in the legs. And I asked my uh, primary care care physician about it and and he said well it's it, it's the norvask good man so, smart guy so don't worry about it good man smart guy wear some tight so, socks it, so so it doesn't hurt nope. not uncomfortable just it's a visible swelling so yeah instead of you have worry. you have what we call cankles Yes, calves, ankles merged together. Cankles. Phil, in the future, every man's going to want cankles. Cankles. Yeah. Yes. It's a sign of virility. It is. Well, let me let me let me touch base Ah. on one thing. Um, Blood pressure high in the morning. 
yeah. it can be a sign of sleep problems because uh, if you're not sleeping well, the adrenaline tries to wake you up, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. That is why um, some people are recommending that anybody with high blood pressure be checked for sleep problems. But sometimes if you have high blood pressure, it's higher in the morning. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Um, can cause a cough. I'm not, I'm not really? on lisinopril. Anyway, um, high, higher in the morning because as your body wakes up, cortisol, adrenaline, et cetera, can go up. You know what they, they recommend, and this mm. is what I do. I take my blood pressure medicine at nighttime. So right before I go to bed, I pop my bistolic, which is nabivalol, and my blood pressure is great all day. So it sounds like what um, he's done is split up his medicine, so he takes some in the evening, which protect him overnight. Now, the other thing is Losartan is have, has a short half-life. So you can take it in the morning, yeah. and its effect is over with at night. Right. And so then overnight, you can, blood pressure will go back up. So they did the right thing in splitting up the Losartan and giving him a little Losartan in the nighttime. And then... Amlodipine or Norvest, great drug. It's called a calcium channel blocker, but it's a particular type that relaxes your arteries. So he's taking uh, the Losartan with the slight diuretic to get rid of too much sodium mm-hmm. in the morning and with the Amlodipine, and then he's taking his um, Losartan in the afternoon. Did I get that right? Is that right? You got it right. And but now it's working, be, so, yeah. I'll be concerned about the swollen ankles. I get that. that yeah. That's for- and, and don't worry about your swollen ankles. Um, everybody looks at swollen ankles and says, oh, my gosh, I'm in heart failure. The amlodipine is so good at dilating your arteries that it dilates the little tiny ones in your skin and in, under the skin. So standing up with dilated arteries, it shoots more blood to that area, and you can swell in that region. So your GP, and I love that term, general practitioner, I think that's an awesome term. We should get back to it. Yeah. I mean, if you're proud to be called a family doctor, that's fine. But I don't think family doctors, the name family doctor, imparts the sense of honor and and knowledge and and wonderful things that general practitioners do. Yeah. In fact, I'm, you know, internal medicine specialist. I wouldn't be called wouldn't mind be calling a cardiologist and a GP mm-hmm. because GPs are the unsung heroes. They're great. I Phil, like mine a lot. Yep. Uh, Phil, thank so, you. So so you're telling me don't be concerned about the No. Medical. No. Uh, I think he's absolutely right. The amlodipine is such a good vasodilator of the Norvest that you're going to have some puffy ankles. And I'm going to get you a, a sweatshirt that says, I have cankles, and I'm <laughs> proud of it. We joke that it's a sign of virility. It's not. But when should I be concerned about swelling suddenly ankle. swollen ankles? Yeah. Okay, so ankle swelling can be from bad veins in the legs. It right. can be a medicine side effect. There are other medicines that can cause swelling. It's not usually a sign of heart failure. If okay. you're, you're going to have heart failure, you're going to get short of breath force. Um, edema, um, what the British call dropsy, because your body was dropping down into your ankles, yeah. is heart failure um, related when your heart doesn't pump well, and then y- your body can't get that blood back to the heart and out to the body as well. Right. So, you know, um, I'd worry about the swelling if it gets worse. In other words, if you have just a little tiny bit of swelling and it doesn't get worse. Oh, and especially if it's dependent. So if when you raise your legs up, it goes away. 
that is less uh, a sign of it being less dangerous to have. But if you have new onset swelling and, and go see your doctor about it because yeah. he or she can go through this what we call differential diagnosis. And but it sounds like uh, your GP is uh, a okay. All right, thank you, Phil. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout. Come on now, All right, Doctor Weefald, who are we shouting out this time around? Well, someone near and dear to my heart, Verna Jean Weefald. Really? She is what we call a patient who is a trooper. Okay, yeah. trooper means that she's just you know going at it and making sure she's defeating uh, her injury. She yeah. she has a beautiful dog. And yeah. I've never met this dog, but apparently it's a young dog. And it's kind of hyper excitable. Oh, my. So she was walking it, and apparently the leash got somehow uh, tied around her leg, and the oh, dog no. saw another dog and took off. And I can just imagine her legs flying in the air. Boom. She landed on her hip and broke it. Uh, and I haven't seen the x-rays. Apparently, some part of some part of the leg got shattered. So she had to have what she described as a partial hip replacement. And um, she's just toughing it out. And the whole family's come together. My daughter, Sarah, lives in L.A. My sister, Verna, lives in Altadena, which is next to Pasadena. Yeah. And we've got this thing going on, the iPhone. We've organized this and organized that. I got a hold of a, a full electric bed. We're going to put that in her living room. Oh, yeah. Sarah and Susan are working on, you know, moving furniture out and getting it all arranged. I got the shower chair ordered. I got the bedside commode. I mean, it's just we're in full mode. But I want to tell her hospital is great. Her surgeon was great. I got a call since I'm going up there next weekend to help her. I got a call from the uh, discharge planner making sure everything was right. Because I can't get there till Thursday, she's going to go to a uh, extended care facility for a short period of time. Oh my! They've already arranged for um, home physical therapy. I mean, I'm just so proud of our healthcare system, right? And I'm so proud of Verna Jean. You know, my older sister, who's you know, she's a lawyer. She's yes. one hell of a lawyer. She even won some big prize for being this lawyer thing in L.A. And you know, we stick together. It's a it's That's an entire thing. system. It's the doctors, it's the nurses, it's the physical therapists, it's the EKG technician, it's the sister Susan, it's the 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 niece uh, Sarah and the brother yeah. Frankie, and all that. And we're getting her back on her feet soon, and back back to the law books. That's good. Oh yeah. All right. So there's this story about a cat that diagnosed her owner. Yeah, no, diagnosed her owner's illness. Yes. So Katie King Scribbins had a pet kitty, and this pet kitty was, you know, lovable and huggable, but, you know, kind of, you know how cats are. Sure. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I'm a dog person. I, I had I some cats that are okay. Yeah. But suddenly, the kitty cat started snuggling on her chest yeah. and started licking, you know, just, just, this is medical now, started licking her breast. Mm-hmm. Always one breast. And she would move the cat away, and the cat would come back and do it. Turned out she had breast cancer in that breast. And she credits the kitty cat because yeah. she said, if this kitty cat is so interested in this area, and she started 
you know, doing an examination of that and found the breast lump. Now, this goes to what I have said for a long time. Right. Animals can help us. And dogs can sniff out COVID. Right. They can sniff out cancer early on. Um, And the olfactory things that are coming out of our bodies, these chemicals that are present from illnesses, Uh dogs can smell. And now, apparently, cats too. (sighs) Okay. Meow. I find that amazing. I I think it's amazing. And now what they're trying to do is these com- co- you know these companies are set up and they're getting venture capital and they're trying to reproduce this on a computer you know with sensors the heck with that no 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 get let's use the dogs they well, that's not very scientific yeah it is it's sure it is. 97% accurate in sniffing covid in somebody we don't have unbelievable a test. that's better than our schna- than the uh, um, pcr test so we got to start recognizing Okay, there's only one problem. Yeah. There aren't enough dogs. You know, oh, we just got to make more dogs. No, you know? no, no. There's there aren't enough, enough dogs. dogs to do all this. There's enough dogs. They work better than the, the machines. There's an article that you have about a drink that promises yeah. to improve your diabetes situation. I'm not so and... sure that it doesn't work and because okay. – it needs to be studied. You're not sure um, it doesn't work. I'm I'm not so sure that it's a bad idea to okay. drink this because right. the number one, it won't hurt you. Right. And number two, it makes kind of sense. Can I okay? get this on the way yeah. home? It's I? called Monster Keto. Now remember, Monster um, has there's one brand of Monster yeah. that's got a lot of caffeine in it, and it's a drink you you drink to wake up. But they're ketone drinks, and they have ketone bodies. And apparently, it works to correct in some way the metabolism of blood sugar. And what they found is that people who are drinking these drinks in Canada, A, yeah. and they drink the stuff, and yeah. their sugars were under better control without doing any other adjustments. It was just drinking the yeah. stuff. So I think it's a whole new area of research and a whole new area of perhaps these ketone-based drinks will help in diabetes. So I'm excited. This and it is, can't hurt you. But what um, is in it? It's a ketone body. So ketones are produced okay. when our sugars are low. Okay. And so maybe the ketones also help to lower sugar. I have no ketones. Uh, in my body, there are no ketones. Ketones I, are a bad sign for diabetics in some is ways. It? Yeah, it's complicated. But I'm just saying yeah. that. This drink is very promising, and I'm excited by it because it might be something you can get off the counter, and and we can say, don't go out and buy this if you're diabetic. Run it by your doctor. Yeah. Make sure that he or she agrees it's You were talking about something earlier, and I was bored, so I checked my my blood sugar. I'm at 130-something. Hey. I'm good. You're good. How's it been at home? It's been really good. All right. Let's talk about cardiac rehab. I got Have about you half called a the dudes? Yeah, we got Monday. Have you I'm set doing, it up? I'm doing cardiac rehab. And how many times a week? Two times a week. Only two? two time. You're supposed to do two three. times. I don't know. Uh, were you going to have it done? Uh, big wake, I think. Yeah. yeah. A good program. A good program. Why is it good? They're going to teach you how to exercise. They're going to teach you how to check your pulse and yeah. get up to the right stuff. And you know the other good thing about it? What's that? You're going to be around people who have <laughs> what you have. 
<laughs> you'll trade war stories. You'll trade, okay. you know, tips. All right. I think cardiac rehab is essential. All right. Sounds good. That is Heart Health Radio. Check us out on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com.